Thank you, Gordon and Noel, for our music this morning. We had a change up here in our service, but uh, we're enjoying our morning in the Lord's house. Welcome to those of you joining us on live stream. This morning on Labor Day morning, we are in the book of Mark at the end of chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 34 through 38. I want to bring you a Labor Day message, but I thought uh, it might be good to have a change-up for that reason. And I was thinking, especially uh, in the week gone by, of verses 36 and 37, and that's why I, I thought of this passage for today. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world through work and through honest labor and the rest, but loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? So I want us to think about that. We're all working. The world is working. Uh, good people doing good, honest work. A lot of things going on in this world and some pretty evil people doing evil work. But that's, that's the world in which we live. But the question is, why are we working? And for what do we work? What, what is our purpose in life? Let me get, remind you of some verses. First of all, these verses Jesus said in Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he said this, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. A good question on Labor Day is, where is your heart? And why is it that you work? He also said then uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? I mean, food, clothing, and shelter is a necessary part of life. For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He didn't say necessarily don't seek these things because he knows, our Father knows, we need food, clothing, and shelter. But he said seek first the kingdom of God. Put first things first in life. So work is good. As a matter of fact, we're created to work. Adam was created to work in the garden, and that's why God gave us brains and hands and feet and, and, uh, and tools so that we can work. And by the way, every, every profession is a good profession. That is, if it's legal and moral, uh, God made us to work, and, and he calls us into different professions in life and, and uh, has us uh, earn our our wages and earn a living and support our families and the rest through work. That's, that's a good thing. Adam was a gardener, and God created him to take care of a garden. Paul was a tent maker, remember? One of his trades was a tent maker. And even Peter was a, con, a commercial fisherman. <laughs> Nothing wrong with, uh, with those activities at all. And by the way, Jesus was what? A carpenter for most of his life probably from the time that he was 12 years old and became a young man until he was 30 and showed himself publicly uh, in preaching, 
he worked in a carpenter shop. That's, that's pretty amazing when you think about that fact. And so whatever it is that God has called you to do in life, skilled you to do, uh, uh, interested you in that profession, labor in it and do it well and do it honestly and, and do it for God and put seeking God's kingdom first and then put that second. Paul even gave uh, these perspectives in Philippians 3. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's our goal in life. And then he says, let Therefore, let as many as are mature have this mind. If we're mature in Christ, then that's the way we will look at life. And I would like to stand at the end of my life, I hope you would like to too, and say Paul's words in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day, and not to me only, but to also all those that love his appearing. Do you love his appearing? Are you looking for the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, are you seeking those things are, that are above where Christ is? Then you have the right perspective in life. So in our text, in Matthew 8, in these verses... They will take us back to the beginning. I mean by the beginning, the day you gave your life to Christ, the day you signed up, the day that, that you gave your life to him and you promised to serve him, you knew what you were getting into. These verses take us back to that and kind of set our priorities again and set our perspectives the way they should be. At that time when you got saved, God didn't necessarily change your path. I mean, you might have been a, a student preparing for a certain uh, way in life. You might have been in college, or maybe you were a very young person. But he did definitely change your purpose, and he changed your outlook on life. And the reason you work and the reason you do what you do is to serve him and glorify him. So if you will, on your bulletin, you have four thoughts from five verses here that I put together. And I want, uh, I want you to see these and go over uh, with them with me. So notice how I word them. There's, there's the invitation from the Lord to come to him. Then there's the instruction of where to go and what to do. I call it, thirdly, the fare to pay. <laughs> What do you profit by going this way? What do you profit by going that way? And the, lastly, then, the result will result in eternal life. And you have to consider what that is. So reflect back with me for a minute in verse 34 to the invitation. And I want you to notice three words, although the word Christ isn't here, but the pronouns are. So all the way back when he had called the people to him with his disciples, he said to them, and then his words, whoever desires to come to me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So, of course, we're talking about Christ here. We're talking about coming after me, following me, 
Jesus says to us. I don't know how it strikes you when Jesus says words like this, but here's my thought. This is God in the flesh standing on the, the world that he created, saying to the people that live on this world, here's how to prepare for eternity. You've got to go into eternity. You've got to die, but your soul will live on. And your soul will live on in one of two places. I'm telling you, here's the way to go to have eternal life. You have to come after me. You remember that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. It's a very narrow way. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is uh, none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And, you know, someone may say, well, that's a pretty narrow way to look at religion. I say, yes, it sure is. It is a very narrow way. Someone might say, well, there are lots of religions. There are lots of, of, of ways to worship. And that's true. There are. But there's only one that leads to heaven. There's only one that lets you escape hell itself. It's to come after Jesus Christ. It's a very narrow way. But now we have a broad word. So not only is Christ here the speaker, God in the flesh is speaking to us, but notice that word whoever, whosoever you might, you might have. Four times in our text we have this word again. And so whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Though that sounds kind of tough, and it is. But just notice that word, whoever, whosoever, you might have it spelled. The death of Jesus Christ is sufficient to save the whole world. Jesus died for everyone, and no one was left out of his death. So whoever will may come. That means the death of Christ is sufficient. You may not apply it. You may not take advantage of it, but it is there and it is paid for. You remember these familiar verses, John 3, 16. You can quote it with me, can't you? For God so loved what? The world that he gave his only begotten son that what? Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That includes you. John said it again in 1 John 2, 2. He is the propitiation for our sins. In other words, they're paid for. Not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. You know, if I, if I invited you all to come to my house for a Sunday dinner after the service, I didn't do it, but I said if, I, if I did. And I said, I'm going to prepare a steak dinner for everybody. Just the best steak dinner you ever had with all the trimmings. I want you to come. And so you all come over to my house for a good steak dinner. And I have them on the grill. I have them all prepared. And I put them out there for you. But there's somebody that says, you know, I don't like steak. I don't want to eat it. Somebody else might say, well, that's not my favorite kind of steak. I don't like that kind. I like a different kind, you know. And two or three excuses are, are, are made. And so those people don't eat. But the question is, was the food available to them? Was it there for everybody equally? And so if you make your, your reason why you don't want to eat, that's, your, that's on you. That's not on the person who furnishes it. 
So the Lord has made dinner for everybody. He said, go into the highways and, and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be full, that there's room at the table. And that's what we do with the gospel. But you've got to, excuse me, appropriate it. You've got to say, I will eat it. I will take of it. Now, the word Christ, in the first part, as I said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, makes the gospel very narrow, but whosoever makes it very broad. We can give the gospel to anyone. We can take it anywhere, and our missionaries do around the world. We do, I hope. And so uh, don't say that it doesn't affect me. Don't say it's not for me. It is for you. But I like the third word that I want us to notice, and that's the word come. Whoever desires to come. I love this word because I think it's the biblical invitation word. You come. Come after me. You've got to come. You've got to do it. You've got to get up and go toward him. Let me read you this word in a few other familiar verses. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew 19. Jesus said, Suffer the little children, forbid them not to come unto me. Of such is the kingdom of heaven. Not that heaven is populated by children, but heaven is populated by those who had childlike faith, who said, I'll just come and you save me. John 6, 37, All that the Father gives me will come to me. The one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. He also said in John 5, but you will not come to me that you might have life. If you don't come, you don't have life. Notice in, in, uh, again in verse 34, whoever, what's that word? Desires to come to me. You might have the word will, who, whosoever will come. It's the word to, de- excuse me, to desire In other words, there has to be, first of all, Holy Spirit conviction. There has to be a conviction of your sins. You have to realize that you need a Savior, that this world doesn't offer salvation uh, for the life to come. There has to be a repentance of those sins, a sorrow for those sins, a need to ask someone to save you from your sin, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, and you put your faith in him. You know, when the Bible's all done and we get to chapter 22 of Revelation, uh, Jesus turns around and says these words, the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit, the Holy Spirit, who has to convict a person of sin, and the bride is the church of Jesus Christ that is preaching the gospel in this age. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears, come. Let him who thirsts, come. And whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. If you're thirsty, you know you need eternal life, you're tired of the sins of this world, come to Jesus Christ with that thirst and take of the water of life freely. So, first of all, the invitation to come is what I want us to see here. Secondly, is the instruction to go, I call it. Verse 35 Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. There's a junction in the road, right? 
There was a junction in life's road when you met Christ. You could say no, you could say yes. You can go down this way in life, and that life of believing, that life of having faith in Christ will bring you certain things in life and cost you certain things in life. Or you can go down this road, which will bring you a lot of other things in life and cost you things in life. Jesus even described the one as a narrow road and the other as a very broad road. And you'll see that, of course, in, in these uh, passages also. So there was this junction in the road. And if you're listening to my voice today, you don't know Christ as Savior, this is a junction in the road. Every time you hear the gospel, every time you hear an invitation to come to Christ, you're going to say yes or no, one or the other. And this junction in the roads come to you again. So notice, I say, by way of denial or by way of the world, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to look at the positive things in these verses first and then the, then the negative things. So I'll, I'll do it in that order. There's a way of denial. But, he says, secondly, whosoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Remember back up in verse 34, what did it say? Let him deny himself. Secondly, let him take up his cross. Coming to Jesus Christ is a way of denial. It's a way of cross-bearing. And no wonder people look at it and say, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to deny myself. I want everything I can have out of life. I don't want to bear a cross. Think of what the image of a cross would speak to that world that Jesus was speaking to. The Roman cross of crucifixion, it's for criminals. It's for the worst of the worst in life. There isn't any greater shame than dying on a cross. And Jesus is saying, take up your cross and follow me with my cross. What an invitation to that. That's a way of denial. Remember Jesus, when he described these two ways, said there's a broad road and a narrow road. And he said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Remember when he said that? And straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, doesn't mean straight as in a straight line. It means narrow and confining. Straight jacket is something that confines you. That's the way the narrow road is. It's a straight and narrow road. And then he said in, in verse 35, you want to lose your life to this? You could lose it actually by following Christ, and many have, but you lose your life in the sense that you say, here's my life, Lord. <laughs> You're the Lord of my life now. You're the director of where I go. I've chosen to take that branch and go down that road. So here's my life. You, you lose your life to his purpose. You lose your life to what he wants to do with your life. Now, let me say a few things about that, about that way of denial, because I know I'm looking at and probably speaking to Christian people. Those losses are only temporary, first of all, <laughs> temporary in this life. Maybe you'll live to be 90 or 100 <laughs> or more. That's temporary. What is that in eternity? You have eternity to go somewhere and live somewhere. Whatever you may give up is a temporary loss. And secondly, some Christians have heavier crosses to bear than others. You don't know exactly what your cross would be. We know from reading our missionary letters here in this civilized year of 
of 2023 that there are people suffering for accepting Jesus Christ as Savior. We're supporting missionaries who, who give the gospel to people, and, and if they accept it, their life is immediately in danger. And many have lost their life. I'm not suffering that way right now. I don't think you are right now. We don't know what the future would bring and what it may cost us. So that cross, that, that way of denial may be great. It may be lesser for one person or another. But here's something I think, too. Nothing that you gave up in life is anything but something that would destroy you anyway. <laughs> where would you be without Christ? If you had not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, where would you be right now in life? What would you be doing? What kind of, what kind of sins and addictions and, and the rest would you be involved in right now in your life if you hadn't accepted Jesus Christ as Savior? Of course, you don't know, but it could be terrible. And those things that would have destroyed you, you've given up. <laughs> you've denied. So there's a, there's a real positive side to this is what I'm saying. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's a real cross. Sometimes it actually takes your life. And in other ways, you gave up the world that was going to destroy you anyway. So there's a way of denial. And Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. And folks, I don't know that repentance is true unless that is part of it. You don't come to Christ with your sins and say, I'll repent of my sins as long as, you don't, as long as you don't do anything hard on me. No, he says, give it all to me and I'll direct your life. But there is a way of the world here uh, that verse 35 is saying. Whosoever desires to save his life, notice his life, not the life that I would give him, will lose it. And whosoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will find it. And so uh, you have a man who wants to desire to save his life. You see that crossroads in the way, and you say, well, this is the way of eternal life. This is the way of following Christ. But look what I have to give up. Look how I would have to deny myself. Look at those Christians bearing that kind of cross. No way do I want that kind of life. Okay. So you choose your life. You desire to save your life. And by the way, I am sure that also in the time of Christ, it was a way to keep from dying. Do you know that all of these disciples, though they did not die the same day Jesus did, they all gave their lives as martyrs for Jesus? And so somebody says, I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to carry a cross and, and end like that. And in verse 36, gaining the whole world, he will say. If a, what is a profit if a man gains the whole world? That's a lot. If the world could be given to you, would you take it in exchange for your soul? Would you say, I'll take the world for 70 years. I'll take it for 80 years. I'll take it for however many years I have left. And then God can do what he wants with my soul after that. Would you? That's the question he's going to ask next. But but the way of the world is the desire to save your own life, to gain the world. And you know what? In verse 38, there are two words that stick out to me. This adulterous and sinful generation. 
the lust of this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what people say, no, I'll take that. You take your Jesus, you take your salvation, or your eternal life, whatever you want to call it, uh, you take that, but I'm going to have these things. And those are the things of the world that verse 38 uh, even mentions. And he says, ashamed of me and of my words. You want to be ashamed? Now let me say a few things about this. None of those things that a person says, no, I'm going to have my life, I'm going to have the things I want, none of those things actually bring happiness. That's the sad truth, isn't it? You go your own way in this life without God, without Jesus Christ, without a witness of the Spirit in your life. And so what do you have? You have an adulterous and sinful life, as that verse says, and that is happiness? That brings you joy? That raises good kids? That passes on a, uh, to a new generation? Uh, happiness? No, they don't. And they are, those things are not the way God made you anyway. God made you in His image. God made you to know Him and enjoy Him forever. And to take that road of the world is not the way you were made. It's the way sin corrupted you. Sin came into our lives. Sin made us those kind of people. And you're choosing that rather than the way God made you to live and made you to know happiness. So it's really not a gain at all. And, and sad uh, forever is the fact that then at the end of that life that you choose, you will have unhappiness for eternity. You will have torture for eternity. You're giving that up. And so... Here's the instruction. Do you want to deny yourself? Do you want what, what the world has to offer? That's a real choice when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. So thirdly, in two verses together, 36 and 37, and as I said, as I said in my introduction, these were the verses that were sticking in my mind as I thought even of Labor Day. I don't know why, they just did. What will it profit a man if he gains that whole world but loses his own soul? Notice what I say the fair to pay because you're going to pay something and you're going to get a reward for something. And so what does it profit? That word means wages, of course. I think of Romans 6.23, of course. The wages of sin is death. What you get for living in sin, the wages, what, what it profits you is death. It may be death soon in this life, it may be later, but it's eternal death forever. The wages of sin is death. It's the gift of God that is eternal life. And so what does it profit? And the other word I see in that is the word exchange in verse 37. The trade-off. What's the trade-off for this? What's the compensation, if you will? What, will? what will you get in exchange for what you're about to pay? So notice I have two thoughts here. One is pay now and enjoy later, and the other is enjoy now and pay later. Pretty simple. 
It's pretty obvious, I think, from these, from these verses. So pay now and enjoy later. Let me reflect back again to verse 35. Lose your life now. Does it cost you something to follow Christ? Absolutely, it costs you something. You give your life to him. You say, here's my life. I'll follow your will. And that'll cost you something. It may cost you pain and suffering. It may cost you hatred or dislike from people you love. It may cost you a lot of things in this life. As a matter of fact, the losing of your life could be actually. As I've said, many people have had to give their life. And we often wonder as Christians, would I? If it came to that, would I give up my very life? I hope that we all would. I would like to think that we all would. You could actually, it could actually cost you that. But in the, but in the least amount, it, it costs you the ownership of your life. It costs you the lordship of your life. You come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you say, now you are my Lord. I'll follow you. What do you want from me? You read about his word in the scripture. You pray and you seek God's will in your life. Notice he says uh, for at the end of verse uh, 35, for my sake and the gospels. You give, your, you give yourself you, uh, your life for, for his sake and the gospel's sake. How many people have actually given their life up for the gospel's sake? Not as many as should have, I suppose. Praise the Lord for those people who give up everything and become missionaries and go to some part of the world where they could have stayed home, they could have been here, they could have made good money, they could have had a comfortable life, they could have had all of that, and they give it up and they do it for His name's sake and the gospel's sake. Maybe we could give up a little more, right? And those who do it save their life. Rather than losing your life, verse 35, you save it. Well, you save it eternally, because now you will enjoy heaven. You'll enjoy more than you've ever given up, and you'll enjoy it eternally. That's one thing. But you know what? It makes your life more worthwhile now. I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so this life that you give him, this life that you say, here, here's my life, take it and do whatever you want with it, uh, you've not lost anything. You, you've gained the greatest riches even in this life, and that is joy and comfort of the Holy Spirit. I remember someone saying, I, I forget who it was in a testimony or whatever, uh, someone said, uh, what do you do in life? He says, I'm a soul winner. And he, said, and he said, no, I mean, what do you do? He says, I win souls. He said, no, I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, what do you do, uh, you know, for, for work? He said, well, I'm a soul winner. And, and no, what do you... What do you do to support yourself? Well, he says, you know, I'm a soul winner, but I work such and such a job to pay the bills. That's all. Well, it is kind of a unique point of view. At least say, I am, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm a follower of him. Where he says, I go. What he says, stop, I stop. But yeah, I work this job and that job. It's an honorable thing. God wants me to do it. I'm a good witness there, too, where I work. That's what I do in life. And I have to do the rest to pay the bills. But here, what he's, what he's indicating to us is, 
you have this life to give up. You have this life to say, Lord, it's yours. It's not mine. I'm not going to be the director of it. I'm not going to just take everything I want out of life. You show me. You give up. Now you pay that price now. Ah, you'll enjoy later, as we'll see in the last verse, eternal life, eternal joy. But secondly, you can choose to enjoy life now and pay later. Isn't that what a lot of people do with their credit cards? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to buy now, I'll, I'll pay later, or I'll try to. Three words that describe this, what we need to understand here. Perspective, perspective, and perspective. What do you profit if everything in this world could be given you and you spend eternity in hell? Tell me what you've gotten out of that. What profit is there? If the Lord said, well, you can have the whole world, but it'll cost you a week in hell. You say, okay, I'll take that. Well, it'll cost you a year in hell. You say, well, okay, I'll endure that. But he says forever, for eternity. You'll never get out of that. And what if, what if it were the whole world? You remember these verses in 1 John 2, do not love the world, he says to believers, or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Again, you, you give these things up when you come to Christ. And then he says, for all that is in the world, I said it a minute ago, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. <laughs> That's what you're giving up eternity for? You're giving up eternity for the lust of the flesh and of the eyes and the pride of life. You say, well, no, I, I want riches and I want fame. Yeah, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That's all those things are. That's why they don't bring happiness. And then he says, those things are not of the Father, but they are of the world. And then the striking verse, the world is passing away and the lust of it. All of those things you want are brief. All of those things will not last, but he who does the will of God abides forever. If you're willing to give up your life now, you will abide forever. But you want, you want the world now? It's passing away, and you only have it for a short time. And it's striking, isn't it? You lose your soul. You know that, do you remember that you're a soul? Do you remember that, that, God formed man from the dust of the ground, and there was his body, there was his physical existence, but he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. He breathed that soul, and that soul is you. That soul cannot be changed. That soul cannot be, uh, become someone else. It is you. No matter what you do to this body, you can't change that soul. So you are willing to give that soul up forever. Listen to Luke chapter 12, where Jesus said this. He's talking about a rich man who gained the world. And the rich man said, I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool. Let me read that again. God said, you're a fool. This night, Thy soul shall be required of thee. 
Then who shall these things be that thou hast provided? If God takes your soul and he has every right as the creator of your soul to do so and takes your life today, then where will these things be that you've bargained for? Where will these things be that you've said, I will, I will want them now. I will enjoy them now. I'll pay later. This night, your soul could be required of you. And notice, required, because it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. You, you will stand before God. Your soul will be required of you. There's a great sermon by old R.G. Lee, who's in heaven now, called Payday Someday. <laughs> Payday Someday. I, I mentioned credit cards a minute ago, and, you know, some people just kind of live on that credit card as if it doesn't cost you anything. And isn't it getting easier? It's getting too easy, isn't it? Now, now you don't even have to slide. You know, you, they used to have to take your credit card and run a machine over it and back, you know. Then it got really easy. You just slide it in the slot and pull it back out. Now you don't even, you know, we're so lazy, you don't even have to do that. Just tap your card on, on a little screen and the light comes on and, boy, you've paid for it. You walk away. It gets so easy just to pay things. But payday someday is coming. Someday you've got to face up to that debt. And that's the way it is with your soul and before God. So pay now by giving your life to Christ and enjoy life later or choose to enjoy whatever you think you can get out of life now. You will pay later. So I want, us, I want to leave us with verse 38 and thoughts from this, this verse. Whosoever, whoever, is ashamed of me and my words. In this, again, adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let me just speak first of the eternal joy, the glory of the Father. Are you looking forward to seeing the glory of the Father? I, I hope you are. We, we don't know any joy like the joy we will experience when we see the glory of the Father. We don't understand how wonderful that will be. And when he comes to this earth with his holy angels, by the way, we get to come with him. Now, this verse says of some that they are ashamed of Christ, but we have chosen to be shamed for Christ. You can choose to be shamed for Christ, or you can choose to be ashamed of Christ. Because if you choose Christ, there's some shame in that to this world, I'm saying. There's people who make fun of you, people who don't understand you, people who, who maybe hate you because of it. I don't know. And you suffer that shame for Christ. Let me remind you of Jesus' words in Matthew 10. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul can't do anything to your soul rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell death and hell were delivered into the lake of fire he could destroy both soul and body in hell every martyr that's ever died at the burning stake or or fed to the lions or whatever realized you can take this body and you can destroy it but you can't touch my soul all you're doing is sending me on to eternity, 
and I will gladly go. But the second thing we have to think about, and we'll end with this, is the result of saying, I want to enjoy it now and pay later. I want to save my own life and have everything I can get uh, rather than give it to Christ. Then eternally, it's nothing but agony. And that's what, of course, verse 38 is talking about. Those who are ashamed of me and my words. I won't live that way. I wouldn't take the name of Christ. I wouldn't be called a Christian. And folks, we see in our own generation, in, in this civilized age, in this uh, so-called free country that we live in, we're seeing that just calling yourself a Christian, just speaking of Christian, maybe just having a Bible in your presence, is a shame from this world. They're ashamed of Christ now. I notice the word, this sinful generation. When, when the Bible says that, it's usually speaking of those people who are saying that, those people who are alive at that time, that generation of people. We're, we live in an adulterous and, and sinful generation ourselves. But what I'm saying is <laughs> your choice to have your own life is only lasting for a generation, that is, for your lifetime. That's all it's going to last because that comes and goes quickly. Notice then he says, of him, the son of man also will be ashamed. Let me stop and say, of him, the son of man will be ashamed. Your creator, the one who made you, the one who breathed, life into you and made you a living soul will one day say to you, I never knew you. Depart from me. You, you want to hear those words to your eternal soul? And then he says, when he comes, <laughs> which means that day's coming. Not if he comes, but when he comes. Or when you stand before him. Because that time is your time of enjoyment, your time of having your own life, is going to come to an end. And it could come to an end now when you die. If you die now, then you'll hear those words right now. You'll hear them immediately. The rich man who died, Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom, but as soon as the Bible says the rich man died, it says, in hell he lifted up his eyes in torments. In that very instant. And that could be the next instant in your life. When he comes or when you hear these words, it could be at his second coming, but it will be and it will come. I want to re remind you of the end of Revelation again. In chapter 20, you have the destruction of that person called the Antichrist and the false prophet. These men will come on the scene in the end time and they have chosen the things of this world rather than eternal life. But here is their end. Here is when Christ comes. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. The devil, the Antichrist, and his false prophet. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. I was reading with my Greek interlinear when I saw this verse a few days ago. And I noticed 
day and night, forever and ever, literally is unto the ages of the ages. Under the ages of the ages, tormented day and night. You want to exchange your soul for that? Well, verse 15 of Revelation 20 says, Anyone who's not written in the book of life was cast into that same lake of fire. Under the ages of the ages. Quite a choice to make, isn't it? When you reflect back on what Jesus that invitation he gave you, Christian people, that you responded to, are you, are you sorry for it? Would you change it for anything? I've never met a, a true believer who would ever exchange that, who ever said, I'm sorry I became a Christian. Who, who would ever say a thing like that? Even those who have suffered greatly for Christ, they know what's ahead for eternity. I was with my son, Michael, out in uh, Denver this week. As you know, you've been praying for him and appreciate that. He's going through chemo and the rest. He, he has a very successful uh, uh, Internet business that, that is tech business that he started himself. He's the president of this company. They have people working all over the world and so forth. And so he reads a lot of stuff that I don't get to read. So we were sitting the other day, and he was talking about artificial intelligence, the AI. You know, we, we're hearing that a lot. And it's pretty amazing stuff. I mean, what human beings can come up with and do is truly amazing. And uh, he pointed out how that, uh, you know, we like to say now in the last hundred years, the knowledge of this world has doubled. Just in the last hundred years, out of the thousand of years that the world has been around, uh, it's doubled. But then these AI guys, and, and folks, human beings are amazing creatures, and they can create amazing things. But the problem with it is those things can be used either for good or for evil. I'm glad that my son is undergoing chemo that rids the body of a tumor that otherwise would have killed him already. I'm glad for medicine. I'm glad for the new stuff. But how evil can man's schemes be used also? And so here's artificial intelligence. What they are saying now is not over 100 years, but knowledge will double in a year. All the knowledge that is in the world will double in a year. And then they will say after that it will double every month, and some say it will double every year. And the reason they say that is once one computer in the world knows something, every computer in the world will know it. That's the Internet. That's the connectivity that the whole world has. One, you know, I think he said there are something like, I'll get this number wrong, but it was in the thousands of medical journals, just medical journals, written every day. Articles in medical journals, thousands every day. And there's no way a doctor can know all of those journals, but once it is entered once, every computer in the world knows the results of it. So what does a doctor do? He consults a computer. And he says, what is it I should know about this? And knowledge doubles that quickly. Then they're saying, well, we use that for the healing of the body. They're also talking about we can live eternally. We know how to cure ourselves. They're saying that 
we may live 70 or 80 years now, but you know, in a few years, uh, we'll live 500 years because we know how to keep the body going. This is the sinfulness of man looking at their own accomplishments, of course, is what I'm saying. And Michael and I sat there and I said, how does God fit into this picture? And he just smiled and said, of course, God knows. God never had to learn anything. His, his knowledge never had to double or quadruple. Everything that the world knows or ever will know, God already knew in eternity past. And God said, I'll bring an end to it. They thought at the Tower of Babel, they'd reach heaven, didn't they? God said, no, this is as far as you go. God always has an end, and he always lengthens. And you know what he said to us in this book? There's an end to it. You may choose this world saying, boy, I can live forever. Boy, I will, I will have all of these things. I'll have all that technology can, can bring me. No, God will say, this night your soul will be required of you. Then who shall these things be? And so this book tells us which way to go. Jesus said, this is the way to find true happiness and eternal life. Go this way. Give yourself to me. Give up your life to me now and have eternal life and not eternal damnation. I hope that you know him as Savior. I hope that if you don't, you'll choose him today and come to him as your Savior. I want you to stand with me as we stand and think about these things. We'll go to the Lord in prayer. We'll sing a song of invitation. I hope that wherever you are listening to this or the gospel preached today, that if you don't know Christ as Savior, you'll come to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for reminding us of the perspective of life. For us to think again of why we gave our life to you, what it meant to give our life to you, and the joys that we will have because we have. And Father, there are people in this world, you died for them, your death is sufficient to save them if they would just come to you. And so, Father, I pray that souls would come to you today wherever the gospel is preached. And, Father, I pray you would help us to reset our priorities and to reset our lives if we've gotten off track, if we've walked away, and make our lives count for you again. So bless us, Father, as we sing this song today. Bless us as we think about these things. Do your work in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song. Our invitation is always open as we sing. And after our service is closed, you do what the Lord is leading you to do this morning. Gordon will come and lead us.